0: The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to The Experts Podcast. My name's Nick Hayes.
1: Hi, I'm Carmen Braidwood. Hello,
0: Carmen. Um, charities, not-for-profits, hmm. people doing good things. It's There's not enough of these people running around these days.
1: Well, there's certainly... You're right. We, we need people to do good things for us. I think the difficulty, though, maybe from a media perspective, is that they would think, well... That's another charity. I'd love to tell their story, but how do I get it out there?
0: Really you know? good point. And you've got to tell your story well. Hmm. And uh, I don't think that there's any better example of someone telling their story very well in Die Wilcox. Welcome to the show, Die. Die is from the Magic Coat Foundation. And you're working on something very, very special at the moment.
2: Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, Di, talk to us a little bit about what you're doing because I'm seeing you in the media everywhere at the moment and that's uh, obviously to do with what's going on in the Ukraine and uh, the, the, the war that's on there and the children that are, uh, that are needing a little bit of your help and support.
2: Yeah, really interesting story. Um, Our charity has always focused on Australia and uh, this is the first time we've had an international project thrown our way and that happened because one of our directors, uh, Tom Emery, uh, he did his national service in Germany and he was asked to go back um, as voluntary conscription to support the refugees crossing into Poland and Germany. Mm. So, of course, he took up that challenge and went over there. He's an incredible human being. But while he was over there, he was seeing these children losing family members, losing homes. They were losing their childhood. They couldn't go back to school. They couldn't see their friends, their family. Their whole world as they knew it had been turned upside down. And what was interesting for us, I think, as a board was the war suddenly became very real for us because one of our own was over there telling us what was going on. Mm. And he actually asked me if I'd write a specific magic coat story for these children and what they were facing. And that was a real challenge because they needed it quickly and when you write a story, it's one thing to think of the story, but then you've got graphic designers, you've got printers, you've, you need a whole team behind you. And uh, just writing it, I really had to put my try and put myself in the shoes of a child in that war, so mm. researching what they were going through and what it might feel like. And we wrote it quite quickly, and I'm so blessed to so say I just have this incredible team of graphic designers from Egg Design and um, printers in actual Poland, so we didn't have to ship the books across. Wow. So we have a team of volunteers in Poland and Germany supporting us. And um, we've got 12,000 of those books out so far. And I had no idea the impact it would have. So we then had psychologists, teachers, our parents... Sending us messages and from the Ukraine with children's notes and drawings saying, We love this, it's this really helping us, but mm. we need more. Wow. Yeah. So we trained the psychologists and teachers in using the book. And now they want a million books. So million books. A million books. So now we're on a fundraising cause, a fundraising drive to try and get a million books to these children.
0: Now, before we even get started, how do we get to that fundraising point? Because people are there listening; they, they might be just jumping onto the net right now and let's is get it, straight to it. Get let's, straight yeah. to it, of what, course. What's what's the? Is it a GoFundMe page?
2: No, it's actually on our website. There's a button that you can't miss it. You go right. to magichope um, dot com and you'll see there's a support Ukraine button. Press. That and it's really simple. Takes you straight to the page, and a hundred percent goes to uh, printing these books for the children.
1: Incredible! So this all started because you wrote a book.
2: Right back at the beginning. So isn't it
1: just the most perfect full circle response to where you started it all? How long has it been now since you first wrote The Magic Coat?
2: So I first wrote The Magic Coat in 2016 Mm -hmm. and it's just continued to grow and grow. And when I first wrote The Magic Coat, I wrote it because I was a a primary school teacher for a really long time. And I just saw these really young children suffering with um, adult worries. So mum and dad are fighting, not enough food on the table, domestic violence issues and uh, as well as um, not not liking themselves. There was a lot of um, self-hatred for very young children and I thought, this has got to stop. So I wrote using cognitive behaviour therapies and positive psychology from my first degree, which is a social science background, mm-hmm. and I uh, wrote a storybook about this magic coat that can help us through our problems and it's just taken off.
0: The 12,000 that are in the Ukraine already yes. and looking to get a million. Yes. What, what timeframes are you looking to do this? <laughs>
2: They want they want it quickly. We've been very blessed that we've had some beautiful corporations who've jumped on board and said, "Here, let us help you. You know, let's donate some more and get these going." And um, it might be a case of us printing five thousand at a time. Um, we want to get it to them quickly. Yep. We've got uh, we've had some incredible schools already jump on board, and they've had the kids making magic hearts, writing notes that we're sending along with the book. So oh. the children of Ukraine and Australian children are being connected, and. Um, for the Australian children, watching the war is scary. Mm. And there are many children with anxiety that, is this World War Three? Mm. Should I be scared? This empowers them to have to to do something and to make a difference. And even though it's small, you should see the smiles on their faces as they're writing these messages, you know. They feel like they're empowered.
1: And I guess there's also a really important lesson in, in empathy for kids mm-hmm. who are learning about what's going on on the other side of the world and and putting it into context, like you say, but then also thinking, wow, you know, what would it be like if that would have happened to me? I can really share some compassion and think about these people over the other side of the world differently.
2: Such a good point, Carmen. Our, our kids these days, especially in Australia, how lucky are we? Yes, yeah. yes we're all going through a bit of a, a difficult period right now um, all around the world, but we're still very fortunate fortunate with well we don't we have.
0: have bombs falling on our exactly. houses we don't yeah. have food shortages i mean you know we might be paying a little bit extra for petrol and diesel etc or you know we might not be able to get our footy cards every week or something like that but <laughs> these kids are in a war zone at the moment
2: absolutely they're losing loved ones um mm. look there's some horrendous things actually happening to the children which you know i'm not going to share right now because mm. it's it's, it's it, but it's traumatic yeah and uh, our children here um hopefully will never have to face this in their lifetime and so for them to try and understand what it must be like to be a child in a war zone is um incredibly important for them to have not only empathy but gratitude gratitude for what they do have
1: Hmm. going back a little
0: going back a little when you first wrote the book and you Hmm. you said that it was because you were experiencing with children that you as a teacher was seeing troubles that were you know the day-to-day you wanted to help them out how how big an issue is this in our own schools and and for teachers today? We talk about teachers and oh, they're they're taking striking because they you know they want extra holidays. I think get, get it, they seem to have a bad rep when it comes to the way people think about how many hours they work. But teachers are at the real cold face, aren't they? Of of, of kids' emotions, of family lives, of their futures.
2: It's a really interesting point, Nick, that you talk about teachers, because I just had this conversation with someone this morning, and if you get into teaching, you can't get into teaching because you just like a subject. Yep. You have actually have to really care about a child's social emotional well-being because for some of these children their teacher is their only safe adult. Yeah. They're mm. the only person they can go to and feel safe for six hours with. So you've got to show that child you're approachable and you care and that their social emotional well-being matters. And um, what I was frustrated at is there's some very good social emotional programs out there with great content. But as a teacher you're often throwing a book on your desk make a lesson out of that. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't have a heart for that, you're not going to open that book, first of all. But I also found kids weren't connecting with it. So with the book, having these bright colours and characters in this bright yellow coat kids want to learn yeah. they want to learn about it they're excited to learn about it so we can help them with these bright coloured characters and I'm just a big kid at heart so <laughs> that, that was fun.
1: Do you think there yeah. needs to be then some systemic change you, you do make quite an important point there about the way we're expecting teachers to be able to teach in that kind of robotic fashion uh, does it come from our universities does it come from the schools themselves from government how do we affect some change so that teachers are happier in their role and we're getting better outcomes for kids.
2: It's been a long time since I did my teaching degree and I do hope some things have changed since then but what I am hearing is you do learn about child development and you learn about curriculum but there's not a lot done about how do you manage children's social emotional well-being which includes their behaviour, the background that they're coming from, the problems they're facing and statistics are saying one in seven children have a mental health issue but I'm telling you the statistics are way higher than that, that's Mm. their reported issues. Um, The anxiety that children are experiencing. Uh, I had a seven-year-old say to me, "I want to go to sleep and never wake up." And when you're seven, that's not what you should be thinking. Oh my
0: God, Mm. Um, uh, this is this is tough. This is tough to hear sometimes, and I think we've got to hear it, and you know we've got to be able to work through it. Uh, Di, you and I have passed each other in the halls of Channel Nine when I've come off the pulse, talking silly things uh, that don't matter. And, you know, a bit of fun, a bit of humour. We need fun. We do, <laughs> we do. But you, you're talking about the real issues that are going on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, your work in the media, is it something that you feel obligated to do or is it something that you really want to do?
2: It's something I feel obligated to do in that I feel that someone needs to be an advocate or a voice for children. Mm. And uh, if we don't have people talking about these issues, change is never going to happen. And it's funny, one day I got a, a, I did have a television interview where someone said, you're one person, how do you expect one person to make such dramatic change? And the, in all honesty, I've thought about this long and hard. And it's not about me as an individual, it's about the idea. And if you can get enough people understanding and following that idea, you can create that change. So uh, I think it's really important to stay that journey and be an advocate for children. They need someone.
1: And do you think that's easier for you to achieve in your organisation because you are the founder at the helm? Maybe some of the bigger corporate beasts that are also charities and not-for-profits, maybe they could take a leaf out of your book and do something similar in their own way? Do you think there's opportunity for them to do that?
2: I think you've got to live your passion every day and show that uh, I know that this is my so-called calling, I guess. you know This is mm. my gift to, to support these children and help families. And I know that every day I wake up, I know there's going to be something different I can do to create change and my team that I've got working with me, they all have that same passion and mm. I think that's really important as well. I surround myself with people who want to make a difference to these kids' lives in their own way.
0: It's 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 very attractive because I feel like I need to march out the door with you when you leave and, and follow you and, and make sure <laughs> that I'm look, helping as well. Um it it is those people that you have around you that obviously that you're working with that are as passionate as what you are but it it passionate starts at the leader and you know you staying on top of this and and leading the way what challenges have you faced to keep this going because this is it's highly emotional you've almost teared me up and (laughs) i've only been here for seven or eight nine ten minutes it's how how do you keep going
2: i think one of the challenges is um, I talk about these children and you're trying to often raise funds so that you can get resources and you can get the people to help these children. But what you can't do is put these children in front of people to see exactly what's going on. Whereas, True. Whereas I get to see these children. I, I look in their eyes and I can see they're pleading for that help. Mm-hmm. They're begging for people to, to make a change. And it's me trying to convey that to others. Um, but you'll never, I'll never achieve that because, you know, coming from a child. Um, I think another one of the challenges um, you're always going to face is that there will always be people... Who don't see it as a problem. They can't believe that children that young have mental health issues. Mm. Uh, We kind of like to just put it at the background. There's a lot of support for teenagers and adults, and there should be. That's really important. Mm -hmm. But very few people understand that we can actually prevent some of these mental health issues if we start young enough, if we give kids these strategies from a really young age.
0: Is it, I'm just thinking about it now, is that, you know, from the children and then the way that we treat our elderly. There just seems to be significant gaps the way that we we look after them, Um, Mm. you know, and and the the children. I've got I've got two kids. They're ten and twelve. Okay, and I this is really hitting home with me because they've got it so easy compared to what 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 others those in the Ukraine are feeling right now. But um, those that don't have that good family home that that that. Safe place. The fact that a teacher for six hours of the day is their only safe adult—that frightens me to think that that a kid would go through that each day. And then you got that the other end the elderly that we, we seem to just throw away because you know they've done they've had their time. What can we be doing better? Is it from a government side? Is it corporate? Do, do what can we be doing that's it's going to to make a change? Because you've been doing this for five or six years, mm. and you, I no doubt, will be doing it for for many years to come. Where, where are we going to change it? How can we flip the system here?
2: I think the first step for individuals is to have empathy. Yep. Try and put ourselves in another person's shoes. I well, mean, well. I, I it's funny, I said to myself this morning... Um, there was uh, a, something on TV about uh, the elderly being abused in nursing homes. And I thought, you know what, we're all going to get there one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, we're, exactly. That's going to be us one day. Mm-hmm. So we really should be caring. And even though I work in the space of children, it's uh, having that empathy and try and put myself in the shoes of those people. Mm. And it's the same for children. For children, their world is controlled by adults. So there's they don't have a lot of power and control over what happens to them and the situations that they see. And while you are a beautiful dad who probably tucks his kids into bed at night and makes sure they're safe, I'm working with thousands of children who don't have an adult that that puts them to bed or makes sure they've been fed or their clothes have been washed. Um, I recently worked with a seven-year-old who was raising her siblings, her two-year-old and four-year-old siblings. She would get their breakfast, bath Hmm. them, because mum, unfortunately, was addicted to drugs. And so the seven-year-old's taken on the parent role at seven. Seven. And it's just, you know, these kids, uh, our system can't cope with the amount of children in situations like this. So while we have some beautiful people in, in services, the services are just at the, that they haven't got the resources needed to support mm. all the children that need the help.
1: And so those supports, that's why it's falling on teachers, like that's you mentioned, right. and I definitely have spoken to teachers to say, you know, it's not just teaching anymore. No. I, I'm, I'm everything else. And you're saying, well, we actually need teachers to do that. But before we expect teachers to do it, we've got to give them the right training.
2: Oh, absolutely. We should be teaching it pre-service teachers how to manage children's social emotional well-being. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So when you're, you know, deciding to go with a book as a way to kind of bridge that gap between uh, a child is experiencing some kind of um, mental health, disorder if you like and then and then giving them some support I guess how does the book work like why Mm. does a book work
2: I'll tell you that the way the book came about was I first started off with workshops in schools and a principal came up to me at one of the workshops and he said you know this is fantastic and the parents that are here are loving it but the parents that need it will never come And Mm. I suddenly, I was laying in bed that night thinking, wow, that's a real challenge. Mm -hmm. Mm. The most vulnerable children that need this support will never receive it. So how do I go about this? And so laying in bed, I decided, you know what? Um, every parent feels safe with a storybook Mm. and that's why I ended up writing a book because I knew that I could get a book safely into homes and then we we came across um, another obstacle which was um, some of our most vulnerable children have illiterate parents Mm. so the audiobook's needed so there's Hmm. always this constant okay what what's the problem what's the solution and you're constantly looking for the solution. Well,
0: we can't get our kids off YouTube, so <laughs> get them on oh, yeah. get the YouTube version of it. It's That's
1: true. <laughs> children's entertainment, some kind of show that We kind have of thing? actually,
2: I can tell you in the pipeline without going into too much detail, mm-hmm. there are some exciting things happening with right. Magic Coat. It will be more than a storybook very soon. And uh, yeah, yeah, we're very excited about the things that are happening. Um, but the storybook is a great connection for parents to sip their kids. And the Magic Coat storybook, I wrote it um, so you don't read it from cover to cover. You get to know the characters and each character represents a different strategy. So when mm-hmm. you work out what the issue is your child is having. You just focus on that character for the week. So it's just a handbook that parents can use because, unfortunately, psychs have got long waiting lists. Sure, uh, they're expensive. Of there. Yeah, it's hard, and yeah. I'm not that children do need our psychs. I mm. work closely with yeah. psychs, um, but the problem is sometimes then you can't just get them the next day. Well, the government so the, the government's helped.
0: promising a hundred new psychs, but again, this is not that they it won't be in place for another eight years. Uh, these are issues that are happening right now.
2: Yes, and And our children need help now. And our hospital system, their mental health um, department are, are breaking at the seams with the number of children being presented to them. So we need to start in schools and using school as a support for these children, but also giving parents the resources
0: did you think you were going to end up being an author and uh, and on this pathway? You know, twenty years ago, is it something? Never,
2: never what, in a million years. What? Where
0: did you hope to be? Where, what did you hope to to be doing? I,
2: do you know, since I was a little girl, oh. I I used to teach my teddy bears in front of a blackboard. <laughs> I always wanted to be a teacher, and you know, so when I first came out of school, I got told there's no jobs for teachers. So I ended up doing a social science degree, which happened hmm. to be in women and children's studies. Interestingly. If I didn't have that, I couldn't be doing some of the work I'm now doing. S- yeah. <laughs> so it's funny how the universe works. So um, I didn't actually want to do that degree. I'm sorry to all my lecturers there, but I, you know, <laughs> I was passionate about teaching. Glad you so did. So that's why I went on from there, did my teaching, and it was through teaching that I just went, no, something has to change. And I had no idea that I'd now be working in prisons, women's refuges, schools, foster care. It's it's, And I love my job. I get really excited. I meet the most incredible people. I listen to so many different stories every day, and um, it's a real eye opener to understand people's journey.
0: Who, and who listens to die when you've got your stories to tell?
2: Who listens to me? Well, you're listening to me. Well, today. we are. Yes. <laughs>
0: Good point. <laughs> media all of Australia. Well, media does. Media to listens die. to you. But who? Yes. Do, who do you? Who's your confidant?
2: Um, actually, I would have to say now, I've got a 23-year-old daughter who's working alongside me. She qualified as a psychologist and she's uh, doing her master's in it now. And her and I uh, work very closely and she's she's actually writing some of the programs with me now. Wow. So, I have two daughters. I have another one who's 15 and she wants to actually go into psychology as well. Wow. So we've, oh, it's almost become a family affair.
1: Yeah.
0: Well done. And
1: you built up the, the organisation, the Magic Coat Foundation and then writing the book and all that while you were parenting your kids and a lot of people would think well just parenting teenagers is enough. Where do you find, or how did you find the time to get sort uh, of work through it? I have
2: to be honest, I think the universe was looking out for me because my girls have been beautiful. I've been really fortunate. They've had their bumps along the way um, but I think what I've learned with with teenagers is we've always had very open communication. We're very honest with each other. they know they can talk to me about anything and I'm not going to shut them out of my life suddenly you know nothing's off the table we, we talk about whatever they need to and I might we might disagree on some things and we might say look this is what I'd like you to do or this is what I want to do but we have such a a love and respect for each other we're a real team yeah and um even the 15 year old you know she, 15 is a tough age mm. finding who you are um and um, there have been moments where you know mum shut up <laughs> <laughs> but she's a good kid and so I know I'm very lucky which has allowed me to do the work I'm doing if my kids needed half the help that some of these other kids need I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing
0: yeah, yeah I, I think the kids are reflective of their parents. Um, my my uncle used to always say, "It's the parents I blame if the kids are, are wrong, and yeah. uh, the parents you blame also if they've done well." So, well done to you, Di. Is this book the magic coat? Does it does it does it help parents realize what's they might not be doing or that might be feeling? Because it's one thing to be aware what effect you're having on a child, but mm. then actions to, to do something about it?
2: I'll tell you what's interesting about The Magic Coat that i found is even though it's written for young children and it's bright colours and it's character-based, every one of us has an inner child. Yeah. And to give you an example of working with adults, when I work in the prisons and I'm talking to these women about The Magic Coat, they have said to me, if I had known this when I was younger, I wouldn't have made some of the choices I've made now. Mm. So I think... Even for adults when you're reading it for your child, you're actually getting something out of it for you. Yeah. And for me researching it and getting the background, I use many of the strategies that are in mm. that book. And um, I can tell you a funny story of I get quite bad claustrophobia, claustrophobia. And I um, got invited to a wedding in West Australia Square and I had to get in the lift. And there were 11 other people in the lift, Mm. I know, because I counted. (laughs) Was it
0: during COVID times?
2: No, it wasn't. It was just before. But you know what happened? The lift stopped, my worst nightmare. And I was pressing the emergency button and everyone's like, what are you doing? I'm going, I'm getting help because, you know, I just want to get out of there. My my thoughts are, I'm going to die. There's not enough air to breathe. Get me out of here. And one of my friends said, die. Magic coat. And I just went, yes, magic coat. And I had to use one of the characters, which is Amelia and Pandora, which talks about self-talk. And I had to change that negative thought pattern to, you're going to be okay, someone's coming to help you. There's enough air to breathe, you're going to be fine. I was sitting on the floor of the lift doing this because I'd kind of slid my way down. Mm. But it did, it worked, it helped me through it. And I now share that with the children that I work with. Wow. Because when they see that adults actually have to use the concepts too. Yep then it's like, wow. What it's more okay, isn't yeah, it? Yeah.
1: So you're clearly a wonderful storyteller. That's that's the kind of story that I like to call water cooler chat. You know, it's the sort of thing I could take away, and I don't say this, it's obviously a media term. It's the thing I'd tell my friends at work the next day or tell my mate at a barbecue. It's like, oh, I met this lady, wrote a book. It's for kids, strategies to cope with things. She uses them. That's evidence it works, right? So it's a great story. Have you always been a great storyteller or did you have to work at this?
2: Um, I think I was very fortunate, without going too much into another story for you, my grandfather used to spray paint acorns gold for me in the UK and hide them in a forest and take me for walks to look for them. And I think having an imaginative grandfather has rubbed off on me. So I grew up with curiosity. I grew up with imagination. And the world could be anything I wanted it to be. And we can all do that for our children. But I was very fortunate to have a grandfather that instilled that in me. And you...
1: Wonderful. What a great story. And, and obviously very good in this setting too. You've just got a story for every circumstance. You can answer any curly question that's thrown at you. So fronting up an organisation like this, it depends on your success in these kind of circumstances, doesn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. And do you know what people want? If you want success, you've got to be genuine. Yeah. And, and people can see through through whether you're genuine or not. Um, I said, if I stand in front of a whole lot of high schoolers to do a workshop, I tell you, in one and a half seconds, they've made a d- decision about whether you're worth listening to or not. Sure. And they get a sense she really cares or this is all just a front. Mm. And that's the real world, right? We we've, we've got to be genuine.
1: Yeah.
0: We work with a lot of authors, a lot of people that have written books that have – that have, you know, changed the way other people's lives have changed. Like So they've, they've changed people's lives. This, I, I just see this book as the, the absolute game changer. This is the kind of thing that, you know, you almost want to see in every school, that it's in every hand of a child in the Ukraine. Uh, now, let's just quickly talk about how we can try and make this happen, because I would love to see this uh, work and work well for particularly the kids in the Ukraine, but definitely here in Australia. I mean, uh, w- just before we go to the Ukraine, in Australia, how, where is the book? How is it? Is it prolific around the schools?
2: Yeah, so uh, in with the book here, we've uh, probably sold about 10,000 copies so far. Um, and we've just got a brand new second edition out, which right. is three times the size of the first one. Um, that's the work I'm doing with some of the sites. We've added new strategies and so forth with it. Um, we've just written an Indigenous version of the book and we'll be giving those out to remote communities so our Aboriginal communities can get access to these strategies um, in a culturally appropriate way. Mm -hmm. And um, so we adapt the book according to what the needs of the different children are, but the concepts always stay the same. And with Ukraine, it's a case of let's get schools and organisations um, fundraising, donating through our webpage, but also encourage children to write letters of support to these um, children, show them that they care.
0: Yeah, mm. I, and I love that part that connection that you're going to have, that the kids can have with someone across the other side of the world that isn't doing so well and and to really own it because they do want to own it and they know what's going on Mm. we shouldn't assume that the kids are just this is just you know water off a duck's back here they are taking it all in and whether they're watching the news or hearing it on the radio seeing it on the internet I mean you know even when they're playing their little Roblox games and stuff like that they are still seeing visions of uh of war and it's like it's got to be confronting and and to being able to to do something about it. So how can we do this, Di? What can we do? Jump on the website.
2: Jump on the website. But even if your school doesn't want to get behind it, as a parent, sit down with your children and get them to write a message. And uh, you'll see all the details are on our website of how you can get those letters to us. And then we've got volunteers boxing up um, all these hearts and sending them to our volunteers in Europe. Um, So logistically... We've got it all sorted, but for parents, you know, sit down with your children and have the conversation because you might be surprised at just how worried they are. They don't yes. talk mm. about it, but they're hearing this in the background and they're thinking, how is this actually going to affect me?
0: But even even my boys have talked about it, That their friends talk about it at school, mm. and they've got nothing really to, to measure it up and, and actually understand what they're actually saying. In, in many cases so it's, yeah. it, it is being talked about whether you think that you're protecting them from not watching the news and sometimes the news is the most violent show on, on oh, television yeah. Yeah. Um, but they are talking about it you've got to take ownership here
1: is that where some of these anxiety issues come from with our kids very often I've heard friends say oh so and so has an anxiety issue we don't know where it came from like how big an influence are the news media
2: huge and and I often say to parents please don't let your children watch the news without you if you want your children to watch the news sit and watch it with them have conversations Mm -hmm. answer questions because in their little minds what they're seeing on TV you can guarantee they're going is that going to happen to my mum and dad is that going to happen to me Uh, and we're not just talking about war here we see some horrific things happening here in our own country Mm. and children start really worrying that's going to happen to them and then they can't focus at school because they do have all this anxiety so we need to take some responsibility as a parent. Either choose to turn it off hmm. or sit and watch it with our children and have those conversations.
1: Yeah, and I guess it's it's one thing to think the kids aren't looking at the TV like... You- like you mentioned before, Nick, you're sitting watching the news thinking, well, they're not watching it, but they're still being exposed. They're absorbing
0: yeah. it. They're taking yeah. it in. They and listen I, to everything. Oh, God. you, you Do they what? Uh, even things they're not supposed to hear, <laughs> they take to school and uh, talk about, and I end up having to make phone calls. and uh, Oh, I know. Make, As a
2: teacher, I've had some very interesting stories
1: told. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet.
0: Well, they're, they're brilliant, and, and they're our most important asset. Uh, and I, yes. I say asset in that they are our future, they are. and we really should be investing more time and energy into it. Uh, as a parenting expert, I love your work on Channel Nine. I love the work that you do. Um, do you enjoy? I mean, I, I talked about whether you see it as an obligation, but you're such a natural at it. Is it? it, it was this was this something very frightful when you first began?
2: Uh, I'll be honest. I've said to people I could only talk passionately about something that I'm passionate about. So mm. if you yeah. if you ask me to go on on TV and talk about any other stuff Subject other than the parenting, education, or social emotional well being of children, I'd be horrified. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if you're going to go in front of the media, it's got to be something you know and love and breathe every day. Yeah. And, mm. and
0: good point because there are a few people that do jump in the media that don't have a clue what they're talking about. They yeah. just want to do it. Yours truly. Uh, but, uh, but but I get to talk about the very subjects that don't matter, like, you know, how much cheese do you have on a pizza? Those okay. kind of things. So I think
1: those are things you're quite expert actually, at, Nick. am. Yeah. Yeah,
2: but
0: I was just going to say, yeah, there's some experts. Yeah, I did eat or did eat all the pizzas there. I like Ah. to say,
1: know your wheelhouse, and you got it.
0: (laughs) God, I hate that term wheelhouse, but you know (laughs) we'll we'll go with it. Hey, um, Di, thanks for coming in and chatting on the experts podcast. It's uh, look, I yes, very rarely do I get a little emotional here, and I just I I think because I'm thinking about my own children, and I think anyone that's listening here, whether it's grandchildren, it's your children. Um, or, you know, you're, you're a child yourself, still, you know, I don't know why you're listening to the experts podcast, but, you know, it is something that, you know, you do get quite emotional about. It's such a subject that we've got to look out for. Once more time, the website, if you want to donate to The Magic Coat,
2: is magiccoat.com. Beautiful. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice Go and in. simple.
1: Yeah, wonderful. Well done on getting the message out with this incredible development with your foundation to die. I've been watching on and, and in contact with you since the very beginning and it's really exciting to see with how far you've taken oh, it. guys, thank you so much for having me.
0: And let's get a million books in the Ukraine. Yes, What please. a wonderful achievement that would be. I mean, that's a legacy that you can leave behind that you can be very, very proud of and, and our hearts and thoughts are with those in the Ukraine. Mm. Well done. Oh, it Big one, this one. Amazing. Great show, great show. And look, thanks for your company, uh, The Magic Coat. Again, get involved and uh, we look forward to having your company when we're talking to another expert and another media next week. You've been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.